We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. What's happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Pack a Day podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. I'm recording this on a Thursday. This will be shown on a Friday. It's another Mike Wall Friday here on the Pack a Day podcast. I'm so excited to be talking back with Mike. Mike, it was a disappointing week in Packerland with a tough loss in Atlanta. But before we jump into all of that, how the heck have you been? Andy, I've been great. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on this week, as always. And yeah, looking forward to talking uh, a little bit Atlanta, but hopefully we can do some forward looking as well, because uh, this will be a good game this weekend. Yeah, I'm really excited for it. I think it's another one of those litmus test games, and we'll absolutely get into that. Before we get into everything else, make sure to, of course, follow him on Twitter at MikeWall68. You can follow his On My Block podcast, which is phenomenal, filled with Packer film breakdowns that you are not going to want to miss. And you can follow him on the Process to Perform YouTube channel. So make sure to do all of those things. I want to kick things off as we more often than not do with you, Mike, and that's on the offensive line side of things just because you have a little bit of a background there. Uh, Obviously, they have the injuries to Bakhtiari and Jenkins. You go from what looked like this really fun offensive line with good depth on paper to now all of a sudden Bakhtiari's out, Jenkins is gone, and you've got now you know, Rasheed Walker and Royce Newman on your left side. Myers, who I thought had a much better week this week than he did the week before, Runyon, Zach Tom. But your thoughts on sort of the state of the offensive line and kind of as we look forward now, we don't know what's going to happen with Bakhtiari. We know Jenkins is going to be out this week. How you'd like to see that offensive line made up moving forward? It's tough. If we start, if we're talking about strictly moving forward this week, it's tough because the, yeah. the Saints are phenomenal on defense. They're phenomenal. Like they might be early rankings, and so they're doing. I think they're doing really well in the pass game. But if if you've watched them over the last four or five years. This is a run-stopping first defense. They take an incredible amount of pride doing it. So I, 
it's going to be a matchup that is, is certainly one to watch and a key matchup for the Green Bay Packers to somehow figure out how to move the ball against these guys. Not only the offensive line, but you talk about the tight ends as well. I think when you look at back at this Falcons game, listen, if you take Bryce Young, or excuse me, if you take Jordan Love's uh, scrambles out of it, we're averaging like 3.2 yards a carry. Yeah. And we can start attributing that to individual players or is, is so is AJ Dillon running hard enough? Like, you got to there's there's two part there's a contract that you enter into when you when you play a football game. The contract is I'm going to put you in a position to be successful and I'm going to teach you how to be successful. So I'm going to have schematics, tactics and technique that are beneficial to you to have success in your job. And then the players got to go I'm going to learn those as best as possible and I'm going to out there and perform under pressure. And not all of that is happening at different levels, right? So schematically, you look at some stuff from a number standpoint, from a leverage standpoint, that just doesn't make sense. Not every play, not even a lot of plays, but enough plays. Right. Not understanding who you have as from a personnel standpoint. I mean, listen, you go into the Falcons game, and we, I think you and I talked about it before the game. If you run against their pace personnel, you're not going to run the football. It's yep, pretty easy it. because, because they're – they're better than we are at that, that specific job. If you can't get double team blocks, you don't have guys inside in particular that can move humans. You just don't have them. So, and Bakhtiari is not playing, then Jenkins gets hurt, and then you're switching guys mid-series. It's like there's a lot of things going on there where we like to go, is AJ doing a good job? Is Josh Myers doing a bad job? And it's like there's a lot. It's just it's, it's an easy question with a really, really complicated answer. But I don't know how you. I don't know how you move forward against a tough Saints team. Um, whether you have Royce Newman in at left guard, whether Bakhtiari comes back and you could put Sheed Walker at left guard. I mean, just yeah. I know that sounds unorthodox, but he's a like he's a proven best five player. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know how you do that watching this team play, unless you keep it as simple as possible. Get really, really good at like double teaming two eyes and, and three techniques and find somebody at the tight end position that can hold up backside and, and against guys like Carl Granderson, who's a good player, but can, but can get blocked backside by a good tight end. We show it's on tape and, and then hold up at the point of attacking against guys like Cam Jordan, which is going to be really tough. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I'm so glad you brought up the, the Rashid Walker rotating thing because I've been on this all week. Like, I just hated the fact of like you have a, a left tackle making his first start in the NFL and then you're rotating him with Yash and then you're asking him to be the sixth, you know, offensive lineman where right. sometimes he's lined up on the right side. Sometimes he's on the left. It's just like that dude is having his first start in the league. Just like just let him be. Don't have him think about too much. And I thought that was way too like they try to get too cute with it. If you want to use a six offensive lineman, fine. Just let Yash do that for the day. He's probably going to have about the same amount of snaps. And if, if Rashid goes in and you have that plan and he's going to be your starting left tackle and he's just going to stay there and he just blows it and he can't, he can't hold up and then go to Yash by all means, Benjamin go to Yash, but like the rotational stuff and him having to do multiple jobs, that was just like, you're, you're being too cute at that point. What are you trying to prove? I, I, you know, yeah. if, if a guy's won during the week, like he's already won in the preseason, won the job, he earned the job, give him the job. Even, and I'll, I'll tell you what, I did this with Joe Andrewsy. Larry Bechtel wanted Joe to play, so when so when Joe when Joe came back, he was like, "No, we're going to start." I mean, it's it was you know the line coach sometimes wants this to happen. It's my second year in the league, and we, Joe and I were like, 
this is stupid. I mean, Joe came up to me and goes, you won the job, like just play, you know, if, if you don't do well, then, you know, then the, like you said, then you, you come up with another solution, yeah. but rotate. And that was mid, I mean, that was yeah. mid game, not mid series. Right. It's, it just, it's like, again, you, you really talk about how do, how do, how do teams with good rosters win football games if they don't have an Aaron Rodgers? Well, you just get really good at doing basic stuff at, at, an, at an excellent level. And when you look at the Falcons game, and I, we'll probably go over, but you know, from from angles, from leverage, from footwork to blocking to how a potential tackler takes on a lead blocker to how we you know, all of this stuff, it's like that's not scheme, right? Or some of that's not scheme. Some of it's like when we get on the field, are we doing everything the right way? And if that's the if, if we're worried about uh, rotating this guy and making sure this guy's getting snaps and trying to develop this player. It's like, then I don't know what we're doing at practice. I, I labeled this uh, my number one thing going into from like my scouting report going into last week and my pregame show last week is that this was a eat your vegetables game for Green Bay. It wasn't going to be the sexiest thing in the world. You had to take on blocks at the point of attack. You had to be much more you know sound from your, your assignment standpoint. Like you, it wasn't going to be a bunch of plays in, in, in pass rushing and getting to the quarterback. It was going to have to be the things that you did well to hold up at the point of attack, stop the run and win in the running game. And unfortunately for green Bay, this has not been a good team for a while now in those type of games in the games where it has to be the details, where it has to be the fundamentals for all the, you know, at, at the end. And I think it was clearly time to move on for both Mike McCarthy and uh, the green Bay Packers at that point. One of the things Mike would always go back to when things broke down was the fundamentals to the point where I think it got memed to death at the time of like Mike saying fundamentals all the time. But at some point it just goes down to the eating your vegetables, things and the yeah. fundamentals and the things that win you football games. And like I said, sometimes this team doesn't do that very well. There, there, it's not a um, from the hiring of the coaching staff. And I'm not talking necessarily about Green Bay. I'm making a general statement, although we, we could argue whether or not it's true with this particular team. The emphasis on scheme, on the emphasis on genius in play calling has superseded being really, really good at communicating how to do something at an elite level um, from, a, from a coaching staff perspective. So you just don't have – I mean, when you see the disparity between a David Bakhtiari and everybody else on your team, we can we could sit here and go, well, he's, he's a pro, he's this, this – he was a what third round draft pick out of Colorado. Like he yeah, went, yeah. when he was 17 years old, nobody thought he was going to be good. You know, you know what I mean? It's like, it's, yeah. it, he didn't all of a sudden, he, he doesn't run a four, six. He doesn't squat 700 pounds. Like there's, he's good because he figured out something. He figured out how to get off the snap. He figured out how to get away from the line of scrimmage. He figured out how to settle and he wins with his inside hand, and his footwork, every single snap. And we could sit here and break everything. It's really simple. And for not for everybody else to not know that, maybe not at his level, but at a high, high level, it makes you wonder what what are we teaching? I don't get it. And it's the best of the best teams that we're seeing that have married the two concepts of figuring out schemes that work extremely well with all the attention to detail stuff, with winning in the trenches, with you know, winning at the point of attack. And right now, I think Green Bay lacks a little bit in some of those details that they need to be a little bit better of a, a technically sound team. And like you say, you have some players, and it's kind of been the carryover players prior to Matt LaFleur era, Matt LaFleur's era, the Kenny Clarks, who's so good at his technique, the David Bakhtiaris, like you mentioned. I'm not saying it's always the case. Um, but it's kind of been some of the carryovers from from the previous regime. But yeah, 
you had a great uh, little bit this week that I hope, I know you mentioned on Twitter that you might make it a regular se segment and I hope you do because it's phenomenal, but uh, it only works on paper. And I know you've brought some of this stuff up in the past and I know we don't have the yeah. film to go with it, which doesn't make it quite as fun, but um, just kind of go over what, what some of the things that you saw that only works on paper, but maybe doesn't quite work quite as well in the game. Yeah, so if you if you just close your eyes and picture like the, the 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 five circles of the offensive line on a piece of on a piece of paper, and then you draw in your defense, right? This happens a lot, and I I know this sounds crazy, but this happens a lot, like to your fans out there. You you will be in a room on a Wednesday, and like I played left guard, right? So let's say there's a three technique over me, and then they're like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna do a backside beat to the to the for, for that three technique, and the ball's going to the right, and you got to chase down the the linebacker who's sitting over the right guard and it's an outside toss play and you'll go well i can't do that and they'll go no no, no see look and they'll literally just they'll take their pencil and they'll draw it and they'll go oh, works easy so so the work on paper stuff is like kind of a joke but it also it really does happen and there's situations in games that you can see where and it happened to, it happened to josh and and, and uh, royce or it happened a number of times but where you're you're watching a game and you go Okay, I understand that we're supposed to get to this player, but if you haven't equipped them with the tools to do that, in other words, if it's just going to be a straight double team on an outside toss play and the linebacker has outside leverage, you're never going to get there. Now, you can get there, but it would be like a you-me call where somebody pulls around and, and like gets rid of all – we're not going to double team. We have to turn this into a man block. And I don't know if they don't have the tools to do that yet, or some of these plays is just we're going to run it, and if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't because we're trying to set up something else. But this is, again, like for the for the casual fan or even for the player, sometimes we call this stuff, and you're like trying to scratch your head and figure out why it's not working. And it's like, well, we got it on paper that it works, so you just got to execute it the way we got it. And it, it, It's just not realistic. Yeah, I think you posted the one where, you know, Josh has to get out to Grady Jarrett on the plane. Grady Jarrett. Yeah, that's right. It's a, it's a, so, so Grady's playing a, a, in the gap or a two eye over the guard. The guard and the, and the left tackle are going to double team up to the backer, and and it's an outside toss play. So it's not a cutback play. So you're saying to you're saying to Josh Myers, who's who's working his way back to form that you hope he can get to. Right. Hey, I got an idea. The best player that they've had on defense for the last five years. Why don't you just try to reach them like you're the uh, center for the 1993 Nebraska team? You know what I mean? It's like it's the it's absolutely asinine. But I'll just tell you what happens in, in film. They'll go, "Hey, Josh, I know this is a tough block. We got to get we got to make it happen, okay?" And he's gonna what's he gonna say? No, yeah. you know he's a third year player who's not playing well. He's gonna go, oh, "Whatever you think, coach. You know, I, I I can do it. I can do it." It's like, no, you can't. You can't do that. You're not good enough, or he's too good. However you want to look at it, it doesn't make sense. So. Don't put your players to be in bad situations and expect things to happen well. You know, sometimes it's just, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. As I go through and I, I watch all the plays back, there are certain plays and it happens obviously every week and it happens on more than one occasion where you can clearly see, like in this case, like it was Josh Meyer's guy that ripped into the backfield and, and made a tackle for a loss or forced a pressure, whatever it might be in that scenario. And then you watch it back and you're like, I can't downgrade Josh on that play. There's nothing he could have possibly done. Like, yes, it was his guy, but like he's not put in a position to actually be able to make that play. And it's it's frustrating to see some of that stuff. And like you said, maybe it's a play to set up a, a bootleg later. So they're trying to get Grady Jarrett flowing in that direction. So it's going to be an explosive in some other mm -hmm. way. Like we don't know all of the, the ins and outs of it, but it is frustrating to see that from time to time where guys just don't have a, a shot at making that block and it ends up being a, a negative play. Matt, I think Matt called out one this week too on, on one of the toss plays where it's a, 
a corner blitz off the edge or whatever. And he called out himself being like, I, you know, he needs to be better in that situation. I can't, I don't remember specifically the play, but um, you know, I think he's aware of it and I think they're working on it, but these are some of the things that they're certainly battling through at the moment. Yes. Yeah, so, and then you look at the, look at the other side of the ball. They had what two, two third one or fourth and ones. And obviously everyone's watching the one with Bijan makes people miss and guys in the backfield. Everything's great. They ran the exact same play earlier in the game. And yeah. Every single at every single level from inside or from outside in for the first three players, they had leverage on our defense yeah. and it wasn't even close. I mean, it was like it was really easy blocks. Right. So. So in other words, when I say leverage, I'm either going to block you exactly how I want to because you're like, you know, you're too far inside or you're going to have to turn your shoulder pads to the sideline and run, run laterally, in which case like the running back's going to get the yard he wants. Like there's no way for you to win because you've already lined up losing. So it's just stuff like that where you go, the Falcons did a really good job of, of putting the pack or the Packers in position offensively and defensively where they didn't have like a schematic numbers answer. And they didn't, for whatever reason, they didn't get out of those specific plays. Yeah, that, that was frustrating. And I thought Atlanta did a really nice job too. like early in the game, they really tried some wide concepts to get Green Bay spread out a little bit more. And then they came back later and they ran inside. And by the time you got to the third, fourth quarter, even though Atlanta was down by a couple scores, like Green Bay had no idea what was coming. It could have been play action. It could have been running inside. It could have been running outside. It could have been a QB keeper to the outside. Like they just spread Green Bay out all day. And it just Green Bay was off yeah. tilt and off balance. A lot of that, I, I attribute a lot of that to, like that's the B. John Robinson effect though, right? Yeah. In, in the sense that, He's not Barry Sanders, but I just bring this up for for story time. You know, when Barry, when we played Barry Sanders, like everyone's walking through the training room, and the defense is talking each other up. Like, don't just, you got to take your shot? Got you're going to miss. You got to take your shot. But if you don't take your shot, I'm not going to make the tackle. And when you start missing, I mean, he makes everybody miss. First guy misses, and when that happens two or three times, like everybody knows, the defense knows, and they start thinking about it, and regardless of what's being called or, I mean, you just see from a discipline standpoint, passing lanes, the pass, the, the passers lane discipline is, is atrocious. And, and some of the run, the way they're taking our running blocks is, is not good. Some of it's coaching, some of it's players, some of it's like, they're scared to be John Robinson. They're trying to figure out what's going to happen. How he's going to get the ball the next time. Yeah. And your, your full focus goes on to that. He's a special player. And uh, I think everyone knew how talented this guy was coming out of college. And I still think there's a level that he's reaching. That's just like, my goodness, like he's going to be so freaking good in this league. And you just hope that a player like that stays healthy and doesn't have any injury issues because he is going to be so fun to watch on a week to week basis, unless your team is going against him, of course. But even then he's still kind of fun. Uh, any other thoughts on the Packers running game, which has struggled massively through two weeks or their inability to stop the run defensively in this past week's game? Just, I think offensively, it's identity. I mean, obviously, listen, it, there's there's reasons and excuses. You know, when you, when you're missing your two best offensive linemen, you're missing your best skill player uh, in, in Aaron Jones. You don't have a Mercedes Lewis anymore. I mean, there's a lot of things where you look at this and go, it's going to be hard. Now, I don't think the Atlanta Falcons defense was as as good as they played against us in that particular area, but if if you don't, if you look at the film and you go, you know, I think we can run against base. And it's like, well, no, you can't. You don't have the personnel to do it. I, I think you put yourself in a situation that you're going to lose. We already know these guys can double team well. They've been doing it for, for since Matt LaFleur got there. So it's like, try to do the things you do well. Try to hide the things you don't. And 
simplify the playbook. Like we don't have to run laterally. We don't. We can. We can do what works with AJ Dillon if AJ Dillon's the only running back in the game. And then defensively, it's so uh, that offensive line I thought was ripe to just take a beating. Honestly, I thought I thought our defensive line would absolutely overwhelm them. Yep. In, in every facet, Chris, except for Chris Lindstrom. Like he's just everybody else. I'm like, we are going to beat the brakes off these guys because it's on. Like the the week before, it's on tape. They're just getting abused. And I thought Desmond Ritter did a really good job of of staying on schedule. He did a really good job of escaping. But when you look at our discipline, and I know you you asked about the run game, but it really translates over for me because it, they they stayed in manageable situations because of this. Yeah. When you're five yards upfield from the quarterback, when he's putting his back foot in the ground because your pass rush lane is terrible. When you break contain and you and you peek your head inside and the guy's able to rush outside, or were you playing Keystone Cops? You run into each other on a stunt. Yeah. Like when those things are happening and you don't have lane discipline, you can't expect to win games against NFL football teams. And and that 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 discipline. And again, like sometimes you don't know if they're coaching this stuff or they're coming up with it on their own. Like we don't know that. But what I do know from an offensive line standpoint is. Every time Enigbari is five yards ahead of Desmond Ritter, upfield up from Desmond Ritter, the, that Caleb McGarry is going, oh, dear God, thank you so much for having a stupid rush because I'm not scared of this at all. I could do this all day. you know. And it's, it's like stuff like that where you go, something's got to give there from a discipline standpoint or fill in the lane against a, against a – if somebody's pulling out and running ladder. You saw with DeGuara. DeGuara poor DeGuara is like they got him – making a hard left and then he's got to go around the tight end to make a hard right. And all of their linebacker 55 has got to do is run straight, straight as head as fast as he can for five yards. Who do you think is going to get lit up? You know what I mean? Like he's not even yep. a real tight end. Like he's just our fullback. He's learned how to play the position. That is a, like, again, that works on paper, but that don't work in the real world. And so when you think about how they're taking on that block and then you watch some of our guys like running up to that person, but not really taking it like, chest to chest and helmet to chest, you know, kind of going off one of the sides so they can maybe cut the guy off. Bijan Robinson doesn't have to stop his feet uh, behind the line of scrimmage. He's going to get yards. So yeah. it's just, it's stuff like that where it's like, there's these little details that make monster differences in games. And sometimes I think we look at the big scheme or like maybe one guy's breaking down and it really, it comes down to like some really simple stuff that they can fix. Like they could literally fix it this week. Hello friends, as many of you know, a few years back the Milwaukee Bucks were in the NBA Finals and I desperately wanted to go to Game 6 in Milwaukee to see them win the championship. As you can imagine, prices were insane and I kept going back and forth with different apps to try and find the cheapest tickets possible. I finally found them, clicked purchase, and of course they were gone. Goodbye Game 6 of the NBA Finals. Now thankfully, the day of the game I was able to find a ticket, but the entire thing was so expensive and way too stressful. I really wish I could have simply used Game Time to alleviate all of the stress and all of the hassle. I've started using Game Time app for purchasing all of my tickets, and I wish I would have done so sooner. From low prices to easy to find tickets to last minute ticket deals, the Game Time app is perfect for all of my ticket needs. Game Time is the place for last minute ticket deals. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and so much more. 
The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and roll for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account and use code packaday for $20 off your first purchase. That's code P-A-C-K-A-D-A-Y. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code packaday for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. It's finally football season, which means it's also finally daily fantasy football season. And while I get excited to play daily fantasy every year around this time, I'm even more excited this year because I'll be using prize picks for all my daily fantasy selections. Prize picks is really simple to play. You can make picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. Even better, they offer ultra quick withdrawals to make all your transactions super fast and easy. Also keep an eye out for weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts. My favorite, Taco Tuesday. Each Tuesday, prize picks discount select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. Before football season ramps up, I've been using prize picks for my MLB and college football picks as I prep for a season of winning in daily fantasy football. The experience has been amazing and it's increased my daily enjoyment of watching Brewers and Badger games. Now, It's time to get some Jordan Love entries in prior to this weekend's game. The great thing for me is that they offer Apple Pay, which makes depositing money into my account so incredibly easy. So what are you waiting for? Join me on Prize Picks by going to prizepicks.com slash packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash packaday using code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. I think uh, Justice Mosqueda brought it up on Monday when I had him on of like how many tackles Green Bay had in this game. It was like a billion and like how many were actually for a loss. It was like none. It was all up, you know, upfield, which is crazy when you have that many plays, especially run plays that were called for Atlanta. So uh, Green Bay did not do a great job with that. I, I want your, your thoughts on this as well. Sometimes I feel like because we saw it where Carolina kind of got the best of that Atlanta offensive line and kind of, I think probably maybe caught Atlanta by surprise a little bit, but just kind of beat them up a little bit through the course mm-hmm. of that day. I sometimes wonder if that's almost a detriment to the team that has to go up against that unit the next week, because you know, they're going to have some pride to it and they're going to want to be like bounce back from that previous week. Is there, is there a level to that of like, all right, we got our butts kicked last week. We've got to show up better this week. And then you kind of play better. Or is it just sometimes bad units are bad units? Uh, you could be right on both of those. I mean, certainly yeah. if you play bad, you're going to want to play better the next week, but um, you can't hide, like you can't hide bad footwork. And so you know, the Atlanta, Atlanta and the Carolina Panthers are in the same division. So they play each other all the time. So like Derek Brown has Chris Lipson's number for whatever reason, right? Even mm-hmm. though Chris is an all pro, you know, you know those uh, Brian Burns is going to beat anybody, but he beats McGarry every time he goes against him. It's just, they have their numbers. It's just one of those deals, but that's fair. When we when we watch these matchups, it's like again when I watch film, I'm just trying to figure out how to beat you. So if you just keep t- turning your shoulders to the sideline every play, then I know how to beat you. And it's and if if you keep setting setting wide and you get beat inside all the time, well, I know how to beat you. So it's just it's taking the information that is on tape, regardless of who your opponent is. It's the process that you go through to do your job. And if yep. you if you can figure out how to beat that process, then I don't see why. Like, I don't see why there's a huge disparity in how they played one week from another. The, the outcome could be different. The quarterback can get rid of the ball, blah, 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 blah. But just with your 1v1 stuff, it shouldn't change that much. No, that's really well said. Um, we don't have to spend a ton of time on this because I think it's been you know dissected to death through the course of the week so far. But I did want to get your opinions on it because, of course, 
anytime really an offense or a defense has a, a poor day, immediately it goes to the coordinator and they're going to have some level of accountability for it. I thought there were some veteran players in this game who didn't play their, their best versions of themselves. And sometimes it obviously just comes down to the players on the field as well. So I'll just ask the simple question. Defense doesn't have a great day against Atlanta. More at fault, Joe Barry or the players on the field. Obviously, it's always going to be some mix of both. Yeah, you know what's you know what's hard about is like Joe Barry's kind of a all-encompassing term for everybody on the defensive staff, right? Yeah. So I want to yep. because when you when you look at this, so we talked about the fourth and one where they're out leveraged. Okay. Just from the cornerback position, unless they're unless they're thinking like well, they're going to run crossers on the other side, we don't want to lose leverage. Like you always, somebody has always has contained. Like that's something that's been taught forever. So just like with that one situation, you go, okay, that was clearly not what's what the intention is. When I watch this tape, I keep going, okay, we're what we just talked about. Like we're not taking on that lead blocker in a manner that's going to make Bijan Robinson or Tyler Geo stop his feet. You know. Yeah. Um, I, I look at Quay and as, as talented as Quay is, I, I go, you're still eight yards back. Most of your tackles are eight yards behind the line of scrimmage because you don't take on blocks the right way. Like you, or you don't, you're not interested in doing it at this, at, at the level that like, let's say the Carolina Panthers linebackers, they don't mind doing it at all. Right. Like right. Frankie LeBlue and those guys. So there's, there's things that are happening in the game that I don't think if you look at like from a schematic standpoint, they're not losing because of the scheme. They're losing because like the details of how to do your job, I don't think are there. Now, if, if you're asking me like a very fundamental question, like Drake London has a good day. So everyone's going, Jared didn't have a good day. Well, he's like cover three half the time and you guys run on zone. Guy made some plays on him. Don't get me wrong. But like, when are we just going to let him trail a guy for the, for the game and go, let's just act like he's Deion Sanders or act like he's Revis Island or act like he's Jalen Ramsey in his prime and give him his flowers and go, we paid you. We love you. You're the guy. Go do it. Ten other guys to stop these nine. You know what I mean? Like, how? Yeah. When are we gonna do that? Or so there's there's stuff like that from a scheme wise. Obviously, the RPO at the end of the game when when Rashawn Gary is you know he's got to close. If he closes, Quay's got to go. If he stays, Quay's got to fill. They they numbers wise they're beat right because the, the safeties don't adjust. They're beat. They don't. They're beat on that play. There's nothing that can. Ha- Rashawn Gary can't make the right play. Right, because they just don't have numbers. So from that state, you start looking at that stuff. You're like, that's a scheme problem. Yeah. You know, are, were we ready? Do we not know that teams run RPOs like that kind of stuff? So it's it's a mix of everything. I don't know. It's a tough. Th- it's when you lose games, you look at one or two plays, and you go, it's it's the coordinator's fault. But really, I for me, it's about like how every play looks. Like you lose game over you lose you lose games over the course of the entirety of the game. And you might not notice which plays really mattered, but a half a yard there, a missed tackle there, like that stuff really actually does matter when it comes down to it. And I think we make too many of those mistakes. Totally agree. I have nothing to add because you said it perfectly. Um, before we get to Packers Saints really quick, I just wanted to ask you kind of in general, I know we're two weeks in and you know we don't want to overreact to anything, but since I know a lot of this week has been a little bit more on the negative side, anything that's really stood out to you positively, maybe a couple players who have stood out to you through two weeks who have maybe caught your eye a little bit? Well, you've got to start with Jordan Love. And, and I know he only had 151 yards passing last week, but the kid's got six touchdowns, no picks. Um, listen, we're going to have to find a nickname for whatever that, you know, butt fumble-like play was at the end of the game. <laughs> that was atrocious. Maybe the drunken sailor or something, but – uh, he's played like he's played well enough where I'm going. Maybe he should get a bigger bite of the apple now. 
Like maybe we should open up yeah. the open the playbook, give him a chance to you know express himself more now. Is that because of Christian Watson? Is that because of Bakhtiari? Not, I mean, there's some other things there, but he certainly has played well. You know, obviously, you know, Dontavious uh, Wicks comes in, and, and you go, I didn't even know he was on the team. You know what I mean? He's like, oh wow, he's who's this guy? He's he looks like he's got a little something to him. He does. Um, I'm 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 impressed with the potential that Luke Musgrave has and the willingness that he's showing to try to be a, an every down player. He's, he's by no means there yet, you know, like in the, in the inline blocking game, but it doesn't seem to be any, any cowardice in him. Like he's, he's like, he's not, we don't have Jimmy Graham over here, like worried about getting hit. You know what I mean? This kid's, this kid's game for it. So I'm pumped up about him. And then even though, I mean, Jay Alexander after the first week, I'm just like, I just, I used to be a guy who was like, dude, he guys too much about himself. He reminded me of some guys in, in, that I played with. I was like a little bit too much about – like there's a little bit too much showboating stuff. And even though he didn't have the best game last best game last week, I'm all in on his – like uh, on the Jay Alexander train. I just, I, I just love what he brings. I think this defense desperately needs his personality and his confidence and his – and everything that he brings to the game. Um, I wish that it could rub off on some of the other guys more, but he's kind of a unicorn on this team, let's face it. He is. This defense in general just needs a little bit more of an identity. And I, I think we've been saying that for a couple of years now. Figure out what you want to do. Play with a little bit more swagger and intensity. And maybe you need to stack a few good games together before you start feeling that or whatever. But um, I do think that his his swagger and confidence and intensity, I think it carries over a little bit. I know Keyshawn Nixon plays with a very similar, um, you know, just extreme confidence. We saw it obviously in the kick return game where he's taking it out from 9.99 yards deep in the end zone while making a jumping catch in the back of the end yeah. zone. But um, you know, so there's not a lack of confidence there, but I think we could see a, a better I, version of that. I'd say one, one other guy that I, I didn't mention Devontae Wyatt's been playing well. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, compared to last year when he was just getting blown off the ball, he was playing too high. He's, he's going to get better. Like he's not a finished product, but with all those other Georgia guys playing so well for Philly right now, you're like, dude, Come on, you know, and he's he's playing well. Like he's be, he's beating guy. He's doing exactly what he needs to do. He's only going to get better. Uh, you know, I don't I don't know that he's winning enough, but there's flashes there where, like this week, for example, as we move on to the Saints, you go, oh, I can see some very specific positions. Like, like when he played the Vikings last year, and you go, dude, why don't we just line Devontae Wyatt against the right guard? He's a rookie, rookie and rookie. Let's just let him punish that guy for a while. Like uh, we just have to find those situations and make him get more and more confidence from what he's doing. Cause I, I think you can see the future. Now you see the first round potential. The, the long-term, you know, outlook for this defense is going to be defined in a very large way by those three Georgia first round picks, Devonte Wyatt, Quay Walker, and eventually Eric Stokes when he mm -hmm. comes back, mm -hmm. if they're just okay, like it's going to be really tough to put, you know, a really strong defense together. If they can get to that next level. And like you said, step up like a lot of the guys in Philly have, they're going to be in a really great spot. So that, Long-term, looking at those three guys, three first-round picks, they need to be much better. By the way, uh, the best version of that I've seen so far is the butt stumble for uh, Jordan Love. Oh, that's so, a good one, yeah. the butt stumble, but the butt stumble. So yeah. I kind of like that one. But it it is a – my friend and I, and I'm sure you can probably relate to this, one of the the, the funniest things in all of sports, period, is when it's it, you have a false start on offense – but it's just the left tackle and he's going out into his stance and everyone else is just standing completely still. And it just looks hilarious because nobody else is moving. He's going into his full step. This is better. Like if the quarterback's oh, going so through much, it, so much better, it's so much better. I've never yeah. seen anything quite as funny. Like I had, I was on a saints thing and they were, they were like trying to make fun of it, but they couldn't, 
it, it was so bizarre that they they've clearly like not watched the game and just seen it on like a clip. And they, right. these guys, like they literally couldn't understand what was happening. So it was like, I had to explain this. Like you had to explain it was a false start. They didn't really, what was going, it was so weird. They didn't get what was going on. It was hilarious. It really, really was. And like, it's something that I think as time goes on, Packer fans will be able to look back on a little bit better on and, and laugh at a little bit more, but man, in the moment, fourth and one, really potentially game on the line in hindsight. Uh, yeah, it's really tough, tough moment. All right. Uh, I want to let you have the floor with uh, Packers Saints. What are you looking at this week? Saints have a really, we talked about it. Saints have a really good defense. Um, yeah. And not knowing what your offensive line is going to look like, uh, knowing that that DeMario Davis, Cam Jordan, the defense is out there. Carl Grandison's playing at a high level. Uh, they're two inside guys. And let me just pull up their names because I'll, I'll I'll butcher them. But uh, yeah, Kalen Saunders and Nathan Shepard, 93, Nathan Shepard, those guys can play the run. Those are two guys that you're never going to hear about again if you're a Green Bay Packers fan. They have they'll have no stats at the end of the at the at the end of the year, and they're dogs. And they can absolutely like the first play of the of the game last week, they just threw their guy on the ground and went after the quarterback and almost sawed Bryce Young in half. Those guys can play. Um, I'm ex- I'm excited to see the matchup between Zach Tom and Cam Jordan because and I know he's not going to just play there, but I think Zach Tom's been playing at a high level. I love his hands, but like this is a whole different animal. I think Cam Jordan is um, arguably you know top three two way defensive end can do everything yeah. in the you know run pass game guy in the league, and uh, he's been one of my favorite players for a long time to watch. So I'm excited about that matchup. You know the, the Green Bay Packers. When you, when you think about trying to find success against this team, you know, it really comes down to there's some there's some really good players on the Saints offense. Derek Carr in the when when the game is on rhythm, Derek Carr looks fantastic. If you ever see Derek Carr up front, I mean uh, live, he's he's a big man, throws the ball with incredible ease. Just looked he looks like, you know, every like teach tape you've ever had balls up high steps in the pocket can knows how to rise through, you know, knows how to do everything. If you, if you, if you heat that guy up a little bit, put somebody in his face, get him sacked a couple times, you get him off his first read defense usually starts winning those reps. So it's a, a, an idea. Can you make the saints one dimensional on offense? They're missing out on Kamara. Jamal Williams has a hamstring. Now he's a downhill runner. Uh, who's the guy that came in? Uh, the, this practice guy, uh, Tony Jones Jr. Yep. Downhill runner. They'll still try to bounce it. If they bounce it, we got to take advantage, get tackles for loss, tackles for no gain. Take away their downhill running game. Make them a one-dimensional team. As good as their wide receivers are, I feel a lot more comfortable about our ability to win some very specific 1v1 matchups on the offensive line and heat up Derek Carr and get him off the spot because they're not scoring a ton. I think they're scoring like 18 points a game right now. They're not scoring a ton of points. So – 18 points a game, you, you should expect to lose over half of your games, right? That's just kind of, there's like, yeah. if you score 20, you should expect to win. If you score 18, you should expect to lose. That's just how this game averages out. And if we can keep them one dimensional, if we can figure out how to create an identity on offense and just go in, like, this is what we're doing. When they do this, we're going to make these adjustments. You guys have to win these matchups. We're going to put you in positions to win. We're going to simplify this, in the, at least in the running game and the blocking schemes. I just think we have a chance if we do that. It's not that – again, it's not that complicated. Really coach them up from a fundamental standpoint, making sure they're getting their hands inside, winning with your feet, all like the critical parts of the game. We just got to get back on track. 
Yeah, Kendra Miller, their third round pick, uh, is going to be back this week at running back. He's a, mm-hmm. he's a talented player. Had a little Aaron Jones to him on on his college tape, so uh, he's going to I think get back just in time for this game, which is a player to keep an eye on. Really like their offensive line, um, especially some of the stuff uh, they did in the running game. I know they haven't had Kamara and Jamal goes down last week, but still did some pretty good stuff, especially with double teams in the middle, and then just the matchup of. This kind of veteran defense, you mentioned it, the Cam Jordans, the Carl Grandersons, the Demario Davises, the um, Honey Badger, Marshawn Lattimore. Like they've got some, they got some really dudes. Good veterans. And Green Bay obviously has a very young offense, especially if guys like Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins, and we'll see what happens with Aaron Jones. Uh, he practiced on Thursday, but um, if they don't have some of those veterans, it's even a younger team. So going to be very interesting to see that matchup as well. Mike. Phenomenal, phenomenal stuff as always. Uh, tell the amazing listeners where they can find all of your work and uh, where we can find you on social media. Yeah, check me out, MikeWall68 on Twitter, Process to Perform on Instagram. Uh, we do the On My Block podcast. It streams on Process to Perform channel on YouTube or on the Believe Network, anywhere you can get your podcast if you want to listen to the audio. A lot of, a lot of film breakdown on there. Just did the Saints preview show. You said you like the Saints offensive line. You're going to love my Find the Fish cat uh, uh, part section of the show because – I like part of their line, and I love part of their line for the Green Bay Packers. So I'm, I'm going to guess. We'll find, I'm going to guess because we had a conversation about this person prior to the draft. I don't know if you remember this, but my my guess is Trevor Penning. Maybe, uh, maybe it's James Hurst. But Penning, we talked about prior to the draft, and you would I think had some questions as to whether or not just his mentality was going to carry over to the NFL. We've seen a little bit of that where mm-hmm. doesn't always play with great technique, plays a little bit kind of. I don't know, hot and cold, if you will, but maybe it's Hurst too. I, I don't know. I, maybe I'll have to just go and listen. Just go and listen. Hey, I'll tell you what, though, that when you watch when you watch this team, watch what happens when Derek Carr gets off his first read, and and that wasn't necessarily true for his entire uh, career, but right now with a new offense and new co- play caller and and some and some uh, egregious guy, when when people are hitting him right now. They're hitting them right down the right down the barrel, like they're getting to the A gap and running north and south. So whether it's a linebacker, whether it's whether it's a defensive tackle, whether it's a defensive end on a stunt, they're getting to that A gap and they're just coming right at this dude. And life's a little bit different when someone's going to hit you right in the in the chest. Yeah, it really, really is. Mike, thank you so much as always. Always make sure to check out uh, Mike's work. Always make sure to check out as well the Packaday Podcast memberships if you have not done so already. Appreciate all of you for listening. That's going to do it for Mike and I today. But until next time, and as always, go Pack Go. <laughs>